The revolving door of talent in mixed martial arts is never-ending and fight fans are now numb to it. Between the top-tier promotions and the regional shows, there seems to be an endless number of young men and women willing to put their bodies on the line for our kinda messed up entertainment when you start to think about it too much. As such, it is easy to zone out on the prelims or ignore the plethora of bouts that go down on a near-daily basis. But the truth of the matter is, you never know who will eventually become someone we can't simply passively disregard. The stars of the sport started somewhere, and sometimes they meet each other on on the way up. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and here are 10 superstar matchups that happened before they were famous. Number 10. Tiago Santos versus Vicente Luque The idea of former light heavyweight title challenger Tiago Santos fighting welterweight contender Vicente Luque now sounds absolutely ludicrous, as they are officially separated by 35 pounds on weigh-in day, and we are separated from the days of openweight Grand Prix. But then again, are we? There isn't a reasonable commission that would sanction this fight, and if it were to happen, it's even more insane to imagine the smaller man getting the KO finish, but that's exactly what happened at Spartan MMA 2012, when the two future UFC standouts would meet early in their careers. In fact, Santos wouldn't even make it out of the opening round. A perfectly timed counter overhand left caught him rushing in. Luque immediately followed up with ground strikes, rendering his opponent completely unconscious. Upon his entrance into the UFC, Tiago would face difficulties continuing to make the middleweight limit, which likely contributed to the several similar knockouts he would suffer before moving up to 205 pounds and enjoying a win streak that propelled him to a title shot. Number 9. Glover Teixeira vs. Sokaju Before Glover Teixeira made his way to the UFC, when discussing the Elite at 205 in the world, a vocal contingent of hardcores, including light heavyweight champion Chuck Liddell, would bring up his name. These guys work really hard, you know, they, they push me. I, I watch these guys, how hard they train. I got a couple guys here fighting at 205, and, you know, and, and you gotta, it reminds you how, how hard you gotta train. Unfortunately, prolonged visa issues kept the Brazilian away from the United States, and an opportunity to join the cast of an early season of Tough. While the detractors would point out the level of opposition he faced while awaiting a legal return to the U.S., the pro Teixeira crowd would point to his performance at WEC 24 against none other than Sokaju. Before authoring one of the biggest upsets in the sport by knocking out Antonio Hojirio Nogueira at Pride 33, the judo black belt and Team Quest fighter made his way to Tachi Palace to stand in front of Glover. Despite both men being well-trained in grappling, the bout mostly consisted of kickboxing exchanges. Less than two minutes into the first, a left hook sat Sokaju down, giving him his first loss. The two would go on to have vastly different careers. Sokaju's time in the spotlight would quickly die after making a quick splash with the aforementioned Little Nog fight. Glover would slow burn his way to winning a title at 42, in addition to living out his true dream being interviewed by Jason. Number 8. Carlos Condit vs. Jake Shields There was a time when both Jake Shields and Carlos Condit were premier welterweights in the UFC and could have been matched up against one another. Their title shots against George St. Pierre were just over a year apart. They faced some of the same opponents like Tyron Woodley, Martin Campman, and Jake Ellenberger, they shared main card duties at UFC 171, and Condit's controversial interim title win over Shields' longtime teammate Nick Diaz would have set up a marketable revenge fight. One guy that I got my eye on is, uh, is Jake Shields, but you know, a rematch with with Jake Shields would be uh, would be pretty important to me because uh, you know that was that was a loss early on in my career that I would like to avenge. But they actually met in 2006 in the finals of the famed Rumble on the Rock tournament. Anybody familiar with their fight styles would be able to guess how things played out without watching a second of the 15-minute affair, while Condit, who less than a year away from becoming WEC's welterweight king, would employ an impressive variety of kickboxing offense and initiate chaotic scrambles. Shields, oh, flying knee! Flying Caught there by Shields. The suffocating top game of the eventual Elite XC and Strikeforce champion would win him out the day. And this kid, everyone's looking past him coming in, he was on fire. Took out Trig and uh, Shrudo and gave me a hell of a battle. 
First time I've ever been cut in a fight. Number seven, Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. Just after the world got to watch Uriah Hall land perhaps the most frightening KO in MMA history against Adam Sala on Tough 17, pairing the Jamaican-born kickboxer with fellow New Yorker Chris Weidman would have been a slam dunk for the UFC. Hall, with Dana White leading the bandwagon, was thought of to be the heir apparent to Anderson Silva's throne, while Weidman had established himself as the number one contender with wins over Damian Maya and Mark Munoz. But much of that anticipation would have been quickly extinguished if we knew what happened less than two years before Hall terrorized the Tough House. At Ring of Combat 31, the two met with Hall's middleweight championship on the line. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats for this one. For the Ring of Combat middleweight championship. It didn't take long for Weidman to use his experience as an all-American wrestler and ADCC medalist to handle the threat of the second-degree black belt Karateka. The future UFC belt holder walked Hall down, secured a TD, and forced a TKO stoppage in just over three minutes of the first round. Way to go, Chris! Way to go, kid! Number six, Yuri Prohaska versus Vadim Nemkov. If Yuri Prohaska and Vadim Nemkov were matched up right now, not only would it reveal Yuri as a mutant with Wolverine-level healing factor, but it would likely mark the end of civilization as we know it since it would require some level of co-promotion between the UFC and Bellator. I mean, we can't even get them together in a video game. So for now, we have to settle for their contest at the semifinals for Ryzen's 2015 Grand Prix. It was the second outing for both men in Japan, and considering this was roughly around the time the UFC offered Yuri a contract, there was a curiosity about what the two proven finishers could do on the big stage. There was no shortage of action as the clock began. Wild strikes, scrambles, positional battles, stomps, up kicks, submission attempts. It was like a sampler platter of MMA techniques with nearly no let up. When the first round came to a close, an exhausted Nimkov couldn't pick himself up off the canvas as the combination of Yuri's insane pace and the customary 10-minute opening round got the better of him. This left the referee with no choice but to award the future light heavyweight UFC champion the TKO over his future Bellator counterpart. Number 5. Matt Hughes versus Dave Monet. If you're unfamiliar with the name Monty Cox, let's just say it's hard to overstate his importance to mixed martial arts. While a quick Google search would show his managerial ties to notable fighters like Robbie Lawler, Tim Sylvia, and Eddie Alvarez, his true legacy lies with extreme challenge. The Midwestern regional promotion was essential to sustaining the sport during the Dark Ages, before sold-out arenas and primetime television deals. Fighters such as Rich Franklin, Jeremy Horn, Pat Militich, and Dennis Hallman were among many of the familiar names that came out out of Extreme Challenge. Hindsight provides a new look at one of the nine bouts held at their 21st show. It was there at the LCO Casino in Hayward, Wisconsin, that Matt Hughes would face Dave Manet as part of a one-night tournament. Hughes's game plan would look very familiar to anyone who watched his run as UFC welterweight champion. He quickly established his wrestling game with takedowns, top pressure, and ground and pound to cruise to a unanimous decision. Had the fight been held about three years later, it would have likely been a main event super fight, as by then, Manet had become the inaugural middleweight champ. It's also very likely we would have gotten the same results. <laughs>
Number 4. Fedor Emelianenko versus Ricardo Arona By the time Fedor Emelianenko defeated Brett Rogers in a heavily hyped 2009 Strikeforce main event, much was made of his almost undefeated record. Almost. And we indirectly can thank Pride standout Ricardo Arona for that. Before both men ever wore the iconic blue gloves at Saitama Super Arena, they would cross paths in 2000's King of Kings tournament. At the time, both men had a combined five fights of experience and were paired against one another in the opening round. <laughs> The judges would side with Fedor to advance after a competitive fight, but later that evening, Fedor would meet Tsuyoshi Kosaka in the next stage of the tournament, and just 17 seconds after the opening bell, a wild strike from Kosaka would graze Fedor, opening up a cut bad enough for a doctor stoppage. Well, according to The Last Emperor, that wound was originally given to him by Arona. Ricardo returned to rings as a middleweight, winning the 2001 tournament and inaugural crown for that division before making his way to Pride. No need to recount Fedor's career, but he did avenge that loss at Pride Bushido 6, while Kosaka became a huge inspiration for Matt Hamill on his way to defeating John Jones. Number 3. Fabricio Verdum vs. Gabriel Gonzaga The career legacies of Fabricio Verdum and Gabriel Gonzaga can both at least partially be defined by the shocking upsets that are in the eye of most the crown jewels of their achievements. The man previously known as Mirko Krokop's jiu-jitsu coach famously stopped Fedor's legendary win streak before outlasting Cardio Kane for the UFC heavyweight title, and Gonzaga shocked the world and disrupted lofty superfight plans with his head kick KO of Verdum's star pupil and longtime training partner. Their intertwined destinies would first converge at Jungle Fight. Gabrielle and Fabrioso Werdum, as they were referred to on the broadcast, This should be a very interesting battle between Gonzaga and Fabrioso uh, excuse me, Fabricio Werdum. We're both undefeated prospects at the time who were expected to showcase not only their world-class BJJ, but also their still-developing striking skills. After a strong start from Gonzaga, Verdum would take control and get the better of most of their exchanges. That was until the third round when referee and future WEC champ Paulo Filio declared a TKO victory for Vicavallo. Did the corner throw on the tally? That, that's that's it. it. Forget about it. Fabrioso word, I'm just so impressive. By the way, this was the same night that Machida defeated Bonner. Number two, Chael Sonnen versus Forrest Griffin. The bad guys past opponents read like a who's who of all time greats. Aside from standing across from legends like Fedor and Michael Bisbean, the American gangster faced nearly the entire history of UFC light heavyweight champions up to his retirement in 2019. While fights against Jones, Machida, Rampage, Shogun, and Tito Ortiz took place after both sides of the marquee had established their star power, his his 2003 contest against Forrest Griffin predated the fan-favorite personalities we know today. Griffin, nearly two years prior to his pivotal fight against Stefan Bonner, moonlighted as a mixed martial artist while paying the bills as a police officer in Georgia. At Denver's Pepsi Center, the two shared the spotlight with other future opponents such as Shogun, Nate Marquardt, Babalu, and Jeremy Horn at IFC 17. While there was no way to know what would become of the men fighting that night, at least the commentary recognized Forrest as a promising prospect to watch in the future. This kid is unreal. He's got heavy hands. He's great with submissions. He doesn't even consider himself a martial artist. He says he can't even break a damn board. The outcome was that Sonnen would quickly secure a takedown, but find himself caught in Griffin's triangle, forcing the tap, a problem Chael would never run into again for the rest of his career. Beautiful. He's got it in. He's got it in. It's over. It's over. Number one, Lyoto Machida versus Rich Franklin. Franklin and Machida are standing across 
across from each other as Bruce Buffer stands in the middle with a microphone in his hand, introducing them in his signature style. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a mixed martial arts rules match consisting of three if you're envisioning a pay-per-view main card attraction, a fight night main event, or a Bellator card reaching for those nostalgia views, you'd be wrong. The two fan favorites actually met on New Year's Eve in 2003 for Anoki Bumbaye. This was a year and a half before Franklin would stop both Ken Shamrock and Evan Tanner on his way to claiming the UFC middleweight title, and four and a half years before Joe Rogan would proclaim, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Machida era. In a fight that would play out much like his tear through the light heavyweight division en route to dethroning Rashad Evans, the awkward blend of karate and sumo wrestling proved to be too much for Ace, who would succumb to a second round flurry of strikes after spending much of the first round on his back. It was performances like this, the busting up of Stefan Bonner, and besting BJ Penn that likely influenced the UFC to purchase the World Fighting Alliance, where Machida called home in 2006. The deal also netted Zufa fighters like Rampage Jackson and Uriah Faber. I need to give a massive thanks here to Ant Walker for writing this list, George Hutchinson for the fantastic edit, and Ben Rosette for the musical interludes. Show all these men the love and respect they deserve by following their socials hard. And like and subscribe if you're feeling froggy. What recent pre Limbaugh, do you think is between two future legends? Let us know in the comments below. That's it for me today, but I'll see you around again real soon.